Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we'll be talking about queerness, the political queerness, the personal queerness, and anything in between. So, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first, where the ideas come from for us is that we, we realized um, working with clients and, and you know, identity affirming situation that a lot of our clients were talking about their identity as something political. And we had sometimes a hard time going to the personal field with them, which is, I mean, what you want to do in therapy is work about your identity as a personal thing. But mm. yes, yeah, political part of it is also very important. Yeah, but a lot of the times I feel like, you know, the, the personal is the political, which is a cliche, but it's very true for, especially for queer people, because if you are to express yourself in public, um, at certain times, you're going to be making a political statement. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about, you know, things like kissing in the street or whatever. I'm talking about even dressing a certain way or, um, you know, listening to a certain type of music, whatever. People are going to stereotype you and then you're going to, but by your, you know, your very existence is going to be uh, tied to politics. Yeah. And an identity is built within a context. Mm. And you, you build your identity with what's available to you. So, so of course it's political. And you're, not, you're not going to... I mean, you can always invent something yourself. <laughs> but most people, you're just going to try and see what's available and try to make it your own. Yeah. And so, so of course, it's, it's, a, it's a cultural, it's political. It's never just about you. But then in therapy, you need to kind of focus on what it means to you and, and why and, and how you actually feel. But that that's that's one point. But the the other is really to also understand that it's a it's a for us in our in our work it's a lot about deconstructing that understanding what comes into play so we can really help the person. Mm. But for that we really had to be f- faced with that with that political mm. um, aspect of things. And I have this this study that I found where this uh, they um, they uh, measured uh, the uh, collective self esteem but also the activism from dif- from people from different sexual orientation and it's interesting but not surprising unfortunately that the the group with the lowest collective self esteem is uh, the bisexual uh, group uh, what a surprise not a surprise there and also that the group with was the most likely um to uh, to participate in political activism are either the people are identifying as queer mm-hmm. because it's true that the, I mean, the idea of queerness, the term of queer, the queer identity, queer theory, mm-hmm. it's, it's political. I mean, queer theory goes all the way back to sort of the 70s as a reaction to the feminism of the time. I mean, since then, feminism has thankfully evolved, um, but there, at the time there was this essentialist thinking that um, our bodies, our biological sex, dictates certain characteristics that we have so that you know men are more aggressive and women are more calm or whatever biologically speaking um and so queer theory was a response to that uh saying that that's not true that you can't really sex code things that are gender coded Mm. um and of course i'm gonna throw in some foucault because Mm -hmm. that makes me look much smarter than i am um and foucault basically said that what whatever gender roles we have in society whatever roles are assigned those are assigned by people in power 
and people in power are, as we know, straight, white, rich men. And so, um, by by their definitions, you know, a woman is a certain thing, and that that certain thing is, um, say, stays at home and is nice and kind and, uh, you know, society-oriented and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, um, queer theory also focuses a lot on what it means to be between those gender roles, um, not completely skewing them, but also tying them together. Um, and I think we do a lot of that in, in our work as well. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's a very good word um, that you said that we, what we do is we deconstruct. I always picture like whatever the parents build up in our clients, we have to take it <laughs> apart brick by brick because <laughs> that's how it feels sometimes. You know, there's these certain sexual and gender expectations that these people are struggling to fulfill and can't in one way or another, or they can and they're miserable. And we have to um, dismantle that bit by bit, session by session, minute by minute, and try to get to the root of what makes this person instead of what this person is struggling to be. Yeah, what is what is really that who that person really is, mm. and and it's I mean, like the uh, it's interesting, but for us also, I mean, if even if we are. Actually, both really like using the term, the word queer, mm. um, that the, the biological part of things is kind of also important for some people. Yeah. <laughs> we can't really ignore it. Um, that is a, that an influence of the, the biological differences um, of the, the sex assigned at birth. But it's, I mean, it plays a role, but it's really not everything. And you can see it in, in, in the practice, uh, in, in the clinical work, mm. how... Um, that plays a part, but like the most everything else, yeah. <laughs> like most of of what a person has to 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 deal with is based on um, the context he grew up in and uh, and the cultural, the social, the political context. Um, it's I mean it's a little bit we can see here in the Netherlands. I was going to say it's a little bit too soon, but in the Netherlands we have some. We we have more uh, more feedback about the influence of uh, same marriage equality. Mm. Um, and also how it normalizes things really for people. Um, it's I mean I don't know it's it's like it's not based on a study or anything. It's more observation here. You can't say that the Netherlands is like this uh, accepting a completely accepting country. It's not queer true. utopia. It's not a queer utopia. There's a lot of issues there and and, and the racism. I mean this country is, is is far from perfect. But there's one thing is that in your in your job or like you you see a lot more people like women saying talking about their wives or uh, or men talking about their husband that has it's something like completely casual mm. because it kind of is to a certain extent. Yeah, you have like those of the the vice uh, prime minister is is married to is a woman married to a woman and you can see how that political act that this law really changed things. Mm. You see that trickling down in society now, with like it's more than fifteen years later, and hopefully it's out of other countries too. And it's also true that, um, you know, it once you get started on either feminism or or queer theory or you know one of those, some people would say very hyper liberal movements, um, mm. then it it kind of snowballs because you know, I'm thinking about Ukraine. I'm thinking about how there was a survey among men, um, straight men in Ukraine, who were, um, they, they were supposed to rate their values, and then they were supposed to talk about what kind of woman 
they they saw as an ideal partner and most of the men who said that women have to be subservient are also the men who defended domestic abuse they're also the men who were against uh, marriage equality and they're also the men who said that a woman should not work and of course does not deserve equal pay Mm -hmm. so like all of these things are very closely tied together and i think it also shows why a lot of queer activism comes from women in the community. Um, now, of course, there are more uh, non-binary people as well, who are participating trans people. It's always been kind of this, I don't know, I, I feel like women have always been a catalyst of change. I, I, I mean, gay men made, did a lot of too, oh, yeah. of course, too, but also there was all the AIDS context mm. in the 80s. But yeah, I mean, we know, we all know that it's like trans women of color that were uh, the origin mm. of of the, the Stonewall riots and, and, and what happened in the US for for uh, for gay queer rights. Mm-hmm. Um, also there was this um, this uh, article in a, in a book that I, I read, like it was also stating that it's like sometimes there's in the community, in the LGBTQ community, there are like the kind of normal <laughs> mm. uh, part of the community, which would be like uh, lesbians and gay men, like monosexualities and and then there's the weird people like the queerness mm. the uh the the queer in general the, the non non transgender non binary gen over this gender nonconformity and and bisexuality non non monosexuality yeah that makes things a little bit more confusing and complex even more because you are not only uh, presenting another type of sexuality uh, but also you're blurring gender norms yeah because that's also one of the thing um, that was more or less pointed out in the article is that when you you buy you you are always playing with gender norms because how do you you know the rules that you might um, social rules that you can take in a relationship where you're in rela- in the same gender relationship and then your next relationship or uh, your uh, other relationship in a polyamorous context would be with uh, someone of a different gender mm-hmm. and like a more typical um, male-female traditional dynamic and your own gender, posi- gender role, gender expression, positioning can, can fluctuate a little bit because of that. Uh, you, 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 have to, you have to ask yourself this question or you are in this position where you can just say also, okay, I don't see why I'm a woman when I'm in a relationship with a guy. I should, I should behave differently than when I'm in a relationship with a woman mm. and and therefore you have to do that work of really deconstructing gender expression as well and going back to to what you mentioned about you know the uh, the old guard gaze and the <laughs> and the more contemporary i guess movement there there is a lot of you know sentiment among especially the older generation of, of gay and lesbian people who kind of feel like the struggle is over, especially in countries where there is marriage equality, where there are laws mm-hmm. that prevent discrimination. They're comfortable. You know, they're, whatever they were fighting for, they got. Um, but, you know, the, the more contemporary queer movement doesn't want to stop at that and wants recognition of, you know, the in-between sexualities or the, the outside of sexualities, the, the different genders. Because, as, you know, and this is just my opinion, but... From where I'm sitting, settled uh, gay and lesbian couples like say, a Neil Patrick Harris and David Burke, like they, if if save for their biology, they could be a straight couple. Yeah. Because there is not much activism on their part. 
Yeah. As, as, as far as I can see. And this is, you know, it's fine for them. And no one's going to judge them for it. But I feel like if you are in a position of power, especially if you're a white male with a lot of money and you just happen to be gay and you happen to have gotten ahead somewhere in life, mm-hmm. maybe you could do something to scaffold the rest of your community. Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't. I mean, they, they do some stuff like march at parades. And maybe you also give money and we don't know about that. But Yeah, of it's, course. It's, it, it's, it's also... A, Reflecting on what you were you were saying, like I was talking about how it's more common, normally in the Netherlands, to to talk about your same gender uh, spouse. But you know what? It's common, and it looks like it's nothing. Mm. But I'd be curious to know of all those people who say like come out regularly and casually about that, how they really feel. Yeah. Because I would say that most of the times there's still this little anxiety, anxiety, like this yeah. little petit, like like this little moment of. I mean, split second of, whoa, yeah. dread. <laughs> Hesitation. Yeah, we feel like you're taking a risk. Mm. Even though, especially when you're like an executive or educated people in a workplace environment, you're actually pretty protected. Mm. But I'm, I know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, th- I'm pretty sure that the individual experience is not as easy as it looks. Yeah, of course it's not. And so it's, it's really not done yet. But so, what about... You, when you're using the bisexual label, is that political for you? I think so. I mean, in the Netherlands, less so, just casually, because also most of my friends here are queer. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not that big of a deal. If I were to use that label in Ukraine, boy, that would be super political. Also because it would confuse a lot of people, since, you know, the binary, the gay-straight binary exists there, and it's very strong. But yeah, no, I feel like here, at least among the younger generation, it can be a casual thing. There's still like a little bit of fear of being judged, especially within the community. Mm. Because, I don't know, this may sound a little prejudiced or whatever, but I would sometimes feel uncomfortable talking about my quote-unquote straight relationship with gay people. Mm. Um, Having said that I'm bi, having done that disclaimer because there's this kind of imposter syndrome that's tied to it but what about what about you i think it's yeah it's pretty political in a way because i feel so pretty comfortable using the the word queer Mm. um for myself as a label but i i also like using bisexual because i think it's the first when i realize and i i i I was confronted with people who were calling themselves bisexual in a in a proud way and I understood it was not just about sex. Uh, and like it felt like home, mm. like the first time that a label really fit me and I, it was helping me in my coming up process. So it's important for me to keep using it and to also when it's still, you know, there's still a lot of prejudice around it and like a bad connotation. And I really, I feel like it's important to make things like this podcast to to make it that this word that felt home that was so important to me that it's that it's not a bad word anymore for people that it becomes something really positive yeah and i think it's the same for the label queer as well Mm -hmm. yeah um because there are tons of arguments surrounding the word and some people use it and reclaim it i think like like we do um because i i really love the word i think it Mm -hmm. fits very well but some people um have beef with the word because of the way it was used in the past. So it's understandable. Um, I think on that on that note, I would just say 
ask the person what they would like to be labeled mm. as, as and respect that. Yeah, but I mean, I do like the like, word queer also because it's not just about sexuality and yeah. it encompasses also like other stuff. Gender, politics, yeah. outlook on life. Yeah. Uh, fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, playing with the gender expression. Yeah. Um, so yes, I I do like it, but I I'm really also attached to using the 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 word bisexual, mm. also in political statement. But it's um, and to go back to what to what we opened with, um, in the in the process of you know identity building and trying to feel better about yourself, it can't be just about politics. Mm. It is about politics, but it never be. It can't be just about that. Yeah. It has to be also about yourself and really accepting what it means. Yeah. you and who you are because if you spend all of your time worrying about the rest of the world you won't have any time left for yourself and that's kind of what we encourage people to do <laughs> in therapy yeah I mean, it's about balance there yeah it's yeah. not about being a self-centered prick it's about <laughs> it's about finding balance yeah so what about you guys do you have any uh, sentimental attachment to a certain label that you think might be controversial or might be difficult to use in certain contexts. Um, drop us a line on our Twitter or send us an email and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.